Chapter 9 of How to Appreciate Music. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in January 2011. How to Appreciate Music by Gustav Koppe. Part 2 How to Appreciate an Orchestral Concert. Chapter 9. Development of the Orchestra The appreciation and consequent enjoyment of an orchestral concert will be greatly enhanced if the listener is familiar with certain details regarding the orchestra itself and some of the compositions he is apt to hear. This I have borne in mind in the chapter divisions of this portion of my book, and, as a result, I have divided the subject into the general development of the orchestra, the specific consideration of the principal orchestral instruments, a cursory commentary on certain phases of orchestral music, and the chapter on Richard Strauss, who represents its most advanced aspects. The first music of which we moderns take account was unaccompanied, a cappella, singing for church service. It was composed in the old ecclesiastical modes, which are quite different from our modern scales, and the name which comes most prominently to mind in connection with this beginning of our musical history is that of Palestrina. With the influence of this old church choral music so dominant, there is little wonder that the first efforts to write music for instruments were awkward. It may be said right here that this awkwardness, or rather this lack of knowledge and appreciation of the individual capacity of various instruments, is shown throughout the school of contrapuntal composition, even by Bach. When Bach wrote for orchestral instruments, he did not consider their peculiar tone quality or their capacity for individual expression, but simply their pitch, which instrument could take up this, that, or the other theme in his contrapuntal score, when he had carried it as high or as low as he could on some other instrument. This is also true of Handel, although in less degree. But just as we have seen that Domenico Scarlatti worked along original lines for the pianoforte and created a germ of the sonata form, while Bach was weaving and plating the counterpoint of his suites, partitas and well-tempered clavichord, so in Italy, during a large part of this contrapuntal period, a distinct kind of orchestral music was springing up. Again, just as we have seen that in Italy the pianoforte shook off the trammels of counterpoint when it began to be used as an accompaniment for dramatic recitative in opera, so the instruments in the orchestra, when composers began to use them for operatic accompaniments, were employed more with reference to their individual tone qualities and power of expression. Primitive Orchestral Efforts Although, strictly speaking, not the first composer to use orchestral instruments in opera and to display skill in utilizing their individual characteristics, the most important of these early men was Claudio Monteverde, 1568-1643. In his Orfeo, which he produced in 1608, he utilized, besides two harpsichords, 
and it may be of interest to note here that instruments of the pianoforte class were long used in orchestras as connecting links between all the other instruments two bass viols two tenor viols one double harp two little french violins two large guitars two wood organs two viola di gambas one regal four trombones two cornets one octave fluid one clarion and three trumpets with mutes a fairly formidable array of instruments when the period is considered of especial interest are the two little french violins which probably were the same as our modern violins now the prima donnas of the orchestra and far outnumbering any other instrument employed it was monteverde who in his tancredi e clorinda made use for the first time of a tremolo for stringed instruments and it is said so to have astonished the performers that they at first refused to play it before monteverde there were operatic composers like jacopo peri and after him cavalli and alessandro scalati who did much for their day to develop the orchestra this is a very brief summary of the early development of instrumental music a story that easily could fill a volume which probably however very few people would take the trouble to read beethoven and the modern orchestra the first really modern composer for the orchestra was joseph haydn seventeen thirty two to eighteen o nine who also may be considered the father of the symphony born before mozart he also survived that composer his music is gay and naive while mozart although he had decidedly greater genius for the dramatic than haydn nevertheless is only a trifle more emotional in his symphonies the three greatest of these which he composed during the summer of seventeen eighty eight the e flat major g minor and c major known as the jupiter show a decided advance in the knowledge of orchestration and the e flat major is notable because it is the first symphonic work in which clarinets were used haydn's and mozart's symphonies that is the best of them sound agreeable even today in a concert hall of moderate size but because modern music with its sonorous orchestra requires large auditoriums like carnegie hall in new york these charming symphonic works of the earlier classical period are swallowed up in space and much of their naive and pretty effect is lost beethoven may be said to have established the modern orchestra very few instruments have been added to it since his time and if an orchestra today sounds differently from what it did in his day if the works of modern composers sound richer and more effective from a modern point of view than his orchestral compositions it is not because we have added a lot of new instruments but because our composers have acquired greater skill in bringing out their peculiar tone qualities and because the technique of orchestral players has greatly improved it is for precisely the same reasons that beethoven's symphonies show such a great advance upon those of his predecessors the point is not that beethoven added a few more instruments to the orchestra but that so far as his own purposes were concerned he handled all the instruments which he included in his band with much greater skill than his predecessors had shown 
Many writers affect to despise technique. But in point of fact, the development of technique and the development of art go hand in hand. An artist, be he writer, painter or musician, cannot adequately express his ideas unless he has the means of doing so, or the genius to create the means. How he developed orchestral resources in following Beethoven's symphonies from the first to the ninth, we can see the modern orchestra developing under his hands from that handed over to him by Haydn and Mozart. In the first and second symphonies, Beethoven employs the usual strings, two flutes, two oboes, two clarinets, two bassoons, two horns, two trumpets, and timpani. In the third symphony, the Eroica, he adds a third horn part, in the fifth, a piccolo, trombones, and contrabassoon. Although employed in the finale only, these instruments here make their first bow in the symphonic orchestra. In the ninth symphony, Beethoven introduced two additional horns, the first use of four horns in a symphony. The scoring of these symphonies is given somewhat more in detail in the chapter How the Orchestra Grew, in Mr. W. J. Henderson's The Orchestra and Orchestral Music, a well-conceived and logically developed book, in which the full story of the orchestra and its growth is clearly and interestingly told. Beethoven not only understood to a greater degree than his predecessors the peculiar characteristics of orchestral instruments, he also compelled orchestral players to acquire a better technique by giving them more difficult music to execute. In point of greater difficulty in performance, a Beethoven symphony holds about the same relation to the symphonies of Mozart and Haydn as the Beethoven pianoforte sonatas do to the sonatas of those composers. Beethoven and Wagner Just as Beethoven added only a few instruments to the orchestra of his predecessors, but showed greater skill in handling those instruments, so the modern musician, a Wagner or Richard Strauss, achieves his striking instrumental effects by a still greater knowledge of instrumental resources. The Beethoven orchestra practically is the orchestra of today. Few, very few instruments have been added. Modern composers steadily have asked for more and more instruments in each group, but that is quite a different thing from adding new instruments. They have required more instruments of the same kind, but have asked for very few instruments of new kinds. Let me illustrate this by two modern examples. Firm, compact and eloquent, as is Beethoven's orchestra in the Fifth Symphony, it cannot for a moment be compared in richness, sonority, tone color, searching power of expression and unflagging interest with Wagner's orchestra in Die Meistersinger. Yet Wagner has added only one trumpet, a harp and a tuba to the very orchestra which Beethoven employed when he scored for the Fifth Symphony, while for his Symphonie Pathétique, one of the finest of modern orchestral works, Tchaikovsky adds only a bass tuba to the orchestra used by Beethoven. The simple fact is that modern composers have studied every possible phase of tone color and expression of which each instrument is capable. 
furthermore by skillfully dividing the orchestra into groups and using these groups like separate orchestras yet uniting them into one great orchestra they produce wonderfully rich contrapuntal effects and thus make the modern orchestra sound not seventy-five years but five hundred years more advanced than that of beethoven however great we gladly acknowledge beethoven to have been berlioz an orchestral juggler following beethoven the next great development in the handling of orchestral resources is due to hector berlioz eighteen o three to eighteen sixty nine and it is curious here how nearly one musical epoch overlaps another scarlatti was composing sonatas and thus voicing the beginning of the classical era while bach was bringing the contrapuntal period to a close it was only five years after the completion of the ninth symphony that berlioz france juge overture was played a year later his symphonie fantastique episode de la vie d'un artiste was brought out yet the berlioz orchestra sounds so utterly different from the beethoven orchestra that it almost might be a collection of different instruments even more than beethoven berlioz understood the individuality the potential characteristics of each instrument berlioz composed on a colossal scale so colossal that his music has been called architectural the dies irae in his requiem calls for four brass bands in four different corners of the hall and for fourteen kettle drums tuned to different notes in addition to the regular orchestra chorus and soloists this has been dubbed three-story music the orchestra on the ground floor the chorus on the bel etage while the four extra brass bands are stationed au troisième unfortunately for berlioz his ambition in so far as it related to the art of orchestration and the skill he showed in accomplishing what he wanted to with his body of instrumentalists was far in excess of his inspiration his knowledge of the orchestra was sufficient to have afforded him every facility of the expression of great thoughts if he had them to express but his power of thematic invention his gift for melody was not equal to his genius for instrumentation nevertheless through this genius for instrumentation for his technique was so extraordinary that it amounted to genius and through his very striving after bizarre unusual and gigantic effects he contributed largely toward the development of the technical resources of instrumental music wagner greatest of orchestral composers berlioz wrote a book on instrumentation which has lately been re-edited by richard strauss in it strauss modestly ignoring himself says that wagner's scores mark the only advance in orchestration worth mentioning since berlioz it is true the technical possibilities of the orchestra were greatly improved so far as the woodwind was concerned by the introduction of keyed instruments constructed on the system invented by theobald böhm while the french instrument maker adolphe sax also made important improvements by perfecting the bass clarinet and the bass tuba but whatever aid wagner derived from these improvements merely was incidental to the principle which is illustrated by every one of his scores 
that technique merely is a means to an end. Wagner is the greatest orchestral virtuoso who ever breathed. Never, however, does he employ technique for technique's sake, but always only to enable his orchestra to convey the exact meaning he has in his mind, or express the emotion he has in his heart, and he spares no pains to hit upon the best method of conveying these ideas and expressing these emotions. That is one reason why, although no one with any knowledge of music could mistake a passage by Wagner for anyone else's music, each of his works has its own peculiar orchestral style. For each of his works reproduces through the orchestra the atmosphere of his subject. The scores of Tannhäuser, Lohengrin, The Ring of the Nibelung, Tristan, Meistersinger and Parsifal never could be mistaken for anyone but Wagner's music. Yet how different they are from each other. He makes each instrument speak its own language. When, for example, the English horn speaks through Wagner, it speaks English, not broken English, and so it is with all the other instruments of the orchestra. He makes them speak without a foreign accent. If Wagner employs a large orchestra, it is not for the sake of making a noise, but in order to gain variety in expression. He is wonderfully reserved in the use of his forces, says Richard Strauss. He employs them as a great general would his battalions, and does not send in an army corps to pick off a skirmisher. Strauss regards Lohengrin as a model score for a somewhat advanced student, before proceeding to the polyphony of Tristan and Meistersinger, or the fairy region of the Nibelungs. The handling of the wind instruments, writes Strauss, quote, reaches a hitherto unknown aesthetic height. The so-called third woodwinds, English horn and bass clarinet, aided for the first time to the woodwinds, are already employed in a variety of tone color, the voices of the second, third and fourth horn, trumpets and trombones established in an independent polyphony, the doubling of melodic voices characteristic of Wagner, carried out with such assurance and freedom and knowledge of their characteristic timbres, and worked out with an understanding of tonal beauty that to this day evokes unstinted admiration. At the close of the second act, the organ tones that Wagner lures out of the orchestra triumph over the queen of instruments herself. End quote. How Wagner produces his effects. The effects produced by Wagner are not due to a large orchestra, but to his manner of using the instruments in it. Among some of his special effects are the employment of full harmony with what formerly would have been merely single passing notes, and, above all, the exploitation of every resource of counterpoint in combination with the well-developed system of harmony inherited from Beethoven, but largely added to by himself. In fact, Wagner's greatness is due to the combination of several great gifts, his melodic inventiveness, his rich harmony, and his wonderful technical skill in weaving together his themes in a still richer counterpoint. This counterpoint is not, however, dry and formal, because his themes, his leading motives, are themselves full of emotional significance and not conceived, like those of the old contrapuntists, merely for formal treatment. 
Richard Strauss is such a master of orchestration that I am inclined to quote his summary of the development of the art of orchestration from his edition of the Berlioz book, which at this writing has not yet been translated. I should like to recall to the reader's mind, however, the fact that Strauss' father was a noted French horn player, that Strauss himself has a great love for the instrument, and that when, in summing up the causes of Wagner's primacy among orchestral writers, he finds one of them in the greater technical facility of the valve horn, it is well to take this with a grain of salt and attribute it somewhat to his own affection for the instrument. The symphonies of Haydn and Mozart, according to Strauss, are enlarged string quartets with obbligato woodwind, brass and timpani, and the occasional use of other instruments of noise to strengthen the tutis. Quote, Even with Beethoven, the symphony is still simply enlarged chamber music, the orchestra being treated in a pianistic spirit which unfortunately shows itself even in the orchestral work of Schumann and Brahms. Wagner owes his polyphonic string quintet not to the Beethoven orchestra, but to the last quartets of Beethoven, in which each instrument is the peer of the others. Meanwhile, another kind of orchestral work was developing, for, from the time of Gluck on, the opera orchestra was gaining in colouring and in individual characteristics. Berlioz was not dramatic enough for opera, nor symphonic enough for the concert stage, yet his efforts to write programmatic symphonies resulted in his discovering new effects, new possibilities in tone tints and in orchestral techniques. Berlioz misses the polyphony that enriches Wagner's orchestra and makes instruments like the second violins, violas, etc., second horns, etc., weave their threads or strands of melody into the woof. Wagner's primacy is due to his employment of the richest style of polyphony and counterpoint, the increased possibility of this through the invention of the valve horn, and his demand of solo virtuosity upon his orchestral players. His scores mark the only advance worth mentioning since Berlioz. End of chapter 9